You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everyone and welcome back to Page to Stage. A conversation with theater makers. We're your hosts. That's Brian. That's Mary. To put it simply, we're both theater nerds. So let's pull back the curtain and get a glimpse at the artist's process while creating their art. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, forward, prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, uh, I'm Ryan Masline. I am a tailor slash dresser, and I'm currently working on a new TV show called Katie Keen. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, tonight, I guess. Um, My first question for you was, so in the notes that we have, you went to school for costume design and technology, right? So are there a lot of options for costume design and technology? For for school, school? you mean? Yeah. Yes and no. It all kind of depends on like what you want to focus on because there are... Uh, I wanted to mainly do musical theater was like my Mm. out of high school, my big dream. Um, But there's so many schools that actually do just plays or stuff like that. And you can costume design uh, with that. A lot of schools don't have the technology aspect of it and you can't focus in that. And I don't necessarily focus so much in design as I do technology of costumes. Yeah. So can you explain that? Because I saw that in, in like the in your title or in the degree and I was I asked Brian, I was like, what does that mean? So technology is the uh, the design process of building the actual garment. So we consider it building because we do use a lot of tools and like, you know, we use a sewing machine and pliers and I have a kit filled with hammers and lots of different things. Uh, so the technology is kind of like how it's put together. 
Um, because once we get a design from a designer, we then have to kind of go through and figure out how it's made. How do you make it work for a musical? It could be a period show that she gets dressed in, you know, three minutes, but how do you make that costume be able to be changed like that? So it's kind of like the building of the costumes. It's a whole different like design part of the process. Wow, that's so interesting. I was also going to ask you why you chose the school you chose. So where did you go? You went to... Niagara University? Yes. In Niagara Falls. I went there because... Well, I started at SUNY Purchase, actually, up in Westchester, and I was not a fan. It just, like, didn't fit me. So uh, I transferred to Niagara, and Niagara actually had the ability to double major, And that was really appealing. Purchase would not let you double major. If you were in theater, that was it. And I kind of had that like, oh shit, can I actually work in theater? So I have a degree in hospitality as well. So I could work like in a hotel. So that's kind of like one of the main reasons. And it was like that really beautiful, picturesque, like Ivy growing up the walls and like big bricks. And it's one of like the few schools in New York that actually has a costume design program. Have you used your hospitality degree in any way since you've been out of school? Because I'm sure that there's ways that you can combine those two. Oh, 100%. Yes. Uh, I would say I use it every day. You know, there's a lot of like, uh, essentially, it kind of came down to like, your actors that you're working with are your guests also. So it's like learning how to be the liaison between that and get what the designer needs, what the director needs, what they need, and kind of do that. Especially when you're dressing on a show, we're the liaison between an actor and you know the wardrobe supervisor and hair and mics and like how that all kind of works in with each other. So you kind of use it a lot of like solving the problems and stuff like that. And um, in my hospitality degree, I focused on event planning. So eventually... You know, I usually use that for planning many things. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. So your first job out of school, or your first job in the city was working at a costume shop, right? Correct. So how did you get that job? And what did you do there? How I got that job, I called them. I was like sitting at home upstate, and I was like looking for jobs. And I called them, and I asked what their availability was. They like posted on, I don't know, Playbill or one of those things. And they were like, do you live in the city? And I said, no. And they said, okay, well, when you move to the city, like, give us a call. So I waited three days. I called them back. (laughs) I said, I live in the city. (laughs) I'm looking for a job. And they said, great. Could you come in tomorrow for an interview? And I said, I can't come in tomorrow. I can definitely come in Monday. This is like a Thursday. I had a wedding to go do that weekend. So I bought a flight immediately, flew down here, went in for an interview, and they said, could you start tomorrow? And I said, ooh, no, I can't. (laughs) I can't do that. I could start in a couple of days. And they said, you don't actually live here, do you? And I was like, no. They called you right out. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Not even like assuming that maybe you had another job where you had to get a note. No. It was straight up like, (laughs) you don't live here, do you? And I was like, no. And how did they handle that? They were fine. Oh. I think once they saw that, I was like, I'll be here in two days, like, full time, sure. They were like, great, see you then. So I went home, I packed up my PT Cruiser, <laughs> and I drove down to the city. And you slept with... Uh, you know, I slept Under with a... <laughs> I friends, couches, it was like, that's why when people like ask me, I'm always like, yeah, sure, whatever, because that's I did that for the first 
three months of living here. Um, and then once I was at the shop, we built, we built for all sorts of different things. So there's, do you remember what the first thing you built was? The first thing that I like really remember from start to finish building was Peter from Peter Pan live. And it was a nightmare. It was. <laughs> oh my god, do tell. <laughs> um, I like the M- NBC Live Peter Pan, yes, right? NBC Live Peter Pan. Um, so it's like my first thing. Like I'm nervous, and they come up over with this like a, a piece of leather, and it's just big enough to fit Peter's like pants on it, and it's custom dyed. It's like you know eight hundred dollars for this piece of leather, and I was like, okay, okay, okay. So I laid all my pattern pieces out. And I was like going to cut it and I cut it and then I picked up one of the pattern pieces and there was just a ginormous chunk (laughs) missing that I like didn't realize I was like over the piece of leather. So I had to wait for my boss to get back. She had gone to a fitting and she had come back and I was like, so Janet, um, I cut out Peter, but (laughs) we are missing a piece, which really meant that because it was custom dyed, we had to start from scratch so it all matched yeah so that $800 piece of leather was a wash throw it away we don't I mean not throw it away we did other things with it but it was very uh, it was very traumatizing actually yeah I bet (laughs) yeah and so in the shop you guys get do you get a bunch of shows that you're working on at once right yeah and so do you focus on a piece and then move on to another or are you all just day to day just helping each other out and working on different things at the same time um you're kind of doing a mix of both so there's different positions in the shop there's like a first hand there's stitchers and you kind of pass things around can you uh, break down those titles for us yeah yeah Uh, so there's um a draper which is kind of like the head and they will come up with the pattern and they t- they essentially take the drawing and turn it into pieces of paper that we can lay down on fabric cut out put together to be made into a physical costume um so then they have a first hand who does all of their cutting and kind of marking all of that and then they hand that off to a stitcher who actually stitches it together puts it together and then it's kind of like the finishing work of closures and zippers and all that decision is kind of like passed around to whoever has the ability to do it that's how that particular shop works other shops have beaters who will just bead you know like big shows like tina turner donna summer the share show they have aladdin people. maybe <laughs> aladdin yes so all the lion king all those shows have like someone specifically just to do the beating on them so there's lots it, it, there's lots of different little positions in there and there's like a normally a crafts person who does like headdresses and anything crafty that you see on on these costumes so it's kind of like a team effort but also like individual and you were mainly working as I was a first hand for a while and then I was a stitcher and then I kind of became the shopper which a shopper is another position I hear that that's fun shopping is it um because you're handed a credit card right and you're yes you're handed a credit card and you're told go find xyz and it's fun until it's 94 degrees outside (laughs) (laughs) and you are out from the hours of 8 a.m to 5 p.m with shopping bags trying to get through Times Square and the Garment District and you wanna you wanna push people and it gets very it gets very brutal by come like nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so I did that. I kind of did all of them. They really uh, let me pick and choose my own adventure there, which was amazing. Are you able to work in the shop and also on a show? Is that like at the same time? Is that they're kind of two separate worlds? So uh, most Broadway, anyways, Broadway shows are unionized for us, and most shops are not. Um, and that's particular like that's mainly because of uh, the cost. Um, uh, you know, an a average, I, there is no average, but I would say costumes can range anywhere from $300 to 15000 So, like, that is without a union. With with a union, they become more and more expensive, and unfortunately... Like, at cost or, or with all the labor that you're putting in? At cost for them to buy. So, like, in shows and will work why, out. why does being in a union change how much the costume costs? Um, because it changes how much everyone gets paid. So for them to cover the overhead of making something like this, because it's a mix of things that the show has purchased and the stock that the costume shop has. So like the designer will choose the face fabric and what you're seeing, but the costume shop supplies the cotille or the fabrics that are underneath the corsets and the bones and stuff like that. So there's kind of this like balance of who's paying for what. And then also on top of that paying for the labor, uh, these, you know, things can take anywhere from eight hours to 40 hours to make something. To make one piece. To make one piece. Yeah. I mean, not including fittings. That's just for like actual manual labor, hands on fabric, building something, uh, and that all depends on what it is. You know, we we built uh, the Anna dress for King and I, and that took, I want to say that took total 56 hours. Like, and that's that was just for one dress, not including, you know, a couple hour long fittings with Kelly O'Hara. And, and so what's your timeline? How far out do you guys start prepping for a show before it starts loading into the theater? Um, we will prep at, in a shop. They'll try to prep, uh, usually four weeks or further out. That's kind of like the, the best way to do it. Anything below three weeks before a show is like a rush. It's mad. It's crazy. And it's expensive. That's just mind blowing to me. Because some of these characters have like 20 costumes. But also yeah. some of the shows have... I don't know. I get, yeah, I guess like how, how many costumes, I guess, would you say? Uh, it's a, it'll depend. So like what'll happen is like the Yuriko, the shop that I worked at, we only do principal. It's a principal only shop. So we build principal characters for Broadway, at least when I was there. That's all we were doing. But then there are other shops that just do ensemble stuff. So they'll do, they're good at mass producing, you know, a full show. So usually what happens is one show does not get all of their costumes from one shop. They send out designs to all these shops the the shops would then put a bid on how much they think they can make it for and that's kind of how they pick and choose who makes it and how much like where it sits in their budget yeah so it's not like the the stress is solely on one shop to put to produce all of these hundreds of costumes for you know depending on the size of the show when did you switch over to being on wardrobe for the run of a show i when I was a shopper, got to meet a lot of designers because you're kind of working with them and you meet a lot of supervisors for shows. Uh, King and I was like the big show that we were doing. We were also building like Gigi and random other things. But King and I was like the show we were focused on. So I spent a lot of time with that supervisor 
And when I was with him, I kind of asked, I was like, if you have a spot available, I would love to work on this particular production. At the time, I still currently, I still am in love with that show. It's so beautiful. And like the way it was designed is stunning. And Bart did an amazing job and Kelly and everyone in it was like, oh, (laughs) so and Lincoln Center, like who doesn't want to work at Lincoln Center? So I kind of did that. And he was like, oh, yeah, he was like, I actually have a track available it wasn't a full-time track it was um it was it was the laundry track actually so i did laundry at this show and i was the internal swing for all of the dressers so we were going to ask about tracks because we spoke with craig who mm-hmm. also obviously has a track so explain i guess the, the the different tracks that could fall in the wardrobe department and what's an internal swing so just like onstage actors have their tracks of what they're supposed to be doing on stage, their costume changes, where they're going, what, what they're singing, all of that, we have our own. So we kind of build tracks on who's getting dressed, how many people to each dresser, how many people all have to change at one time, where they're changing. So we, do, when you're in tech, you kind of figure out how many people you're going to need for these different tracks. Um because it really depends on like all of a sudden all 20 cast members are doing one change to the finale for about which means you need to have enough hands backstage to get them out of these costumes into new costumes under the crazy time frame that you have to get them you know back on stage so that's kind of like what decides a big track um and usually for principal characters there's one dresser to them so they can kind of keep track of all of their bits and pieces and focus solely on them in an ensemble it's usually maybe like four or five actors to one dresser um and so at king and i as the internal swing i did a day work track which was uh laundry so i made sure everything was clean for the show but then i also learned eight of the nine men's tracks yeah, so there's that show had 16 dressers on it, I want to say, off the top of my head. Um, split female, male, and there was one track that had covered both female and males. Um, so I learned all of those tracks, and I kind of was uh, there up until the start of the show. Because I was doing laundry, my calls always kind of went bumped right up to show call. So I could be there in case last minute a dresser was out I could step in, do the track, and kind of, like, make sure we could still have a show. That's so interesting that they have a... And they call it a swing. Yeah. You know, just like an actor swing. Yep, it's the same terminology, because it's essentially... I'm not going to say it's the same job, because it is not the Uh, same job. It requires the same same type of brain, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you're both... Both swings, both tracks, I should say, the backstage pattern, if you will, or track is probably very similar because you're going in the same direction. Um, to some extent, you know, you're. It, it depends on like the actors that you're dressing, and just because that's who you're you're assigned to at the top of show does not mean that's who you're going to continue to follow throughout the rest of the show. Just because of because of trafficking, there may be a giant set piece that you can't get around to be able to go dress this person and vice versa with another dresser who's kind of flip-flop. So you guys end up swapping and taking care of each other's actors. Um, so it kind of all depends. 
And because of the traffic backstage, it's like a whole, that's another really important thing because as much as that's happening on stage, there's scenery moving backstage and huge set pieces and actors and costumes laying everywhere. So do you see yourself, like, do you want to continue working on on the wardrobe track or do you want to stay in, in the shops? Um, I don't know. I kind of love that I, I have uh, the skills to be able to do both. A lot of dressers can't sew, or they can very minimally. Um, so it's nice to be able to have the option. I, I tend to I'm sure to in like an emergency situation, so I'm sure it comes in handy. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, yes and no, to some extent. You know, it's it's because it's live theater. For that, you you only have so much time to get something in. So sometimes you're pulling out tape and you're like duct taping someone into something or someone's shoe just broke and they're on stage and it's like, we don't have, you know, time to glue this. The show must go on. Yeah, the show has to go on. Without going in like chronological order, right? But because you have so many credits, which is amazing. Waitress, Cats, Shuffle Along, Head Over Heels. Should I, should I just keep naming them? <laughs> um, but I'm wondering if you have any stories that come to mind for quick changes that you've done. Any memorable quick changes stand out to you? I had a really favorite one that ended up getting cut from Head Over Heels. Um, it was Bonnie gets dressed in her into a wedding dress at the end and at first they were like okay it's gonna be 24 seconds like that's how long you have to do it so we rehearsed it me her dresser and bonnie it was the three of us in a tiny corner of the theater because there's scenery coming off stage um and like the first time we did it in tech i want to say it took us 32 seconds and we had we went over and they were holding, which then they immediately like, at this point in tech, they were just like, nope, cut it. We can't do it. It's not going to happen. And we were like, no, but we only need to cut down like five seconds. Like that's doable. We This is the first time we've had this costume on someone, stuff like that. Um, that was a favorite of mine. And I would say King and I probably had the most traumatic experience where it was my first show and my actor did not make it in his costume fully, but he went on stage. Just the whole back was open, you know? And it was just kind of like, he was also a swing in the show. So it was a swing paired with a swing. (laughs) Neither of us had much idea what was happening. We're in the dark and it's the ballet and he runs off and there's three of them that are changing. And there's two dressers for each actor on this change because it's so fast. It was, I want to say seven seconds. And he is there, and I could not. I was like, I can't find anything. There's no closures. Nothing's happening. And he ran off and did the rest of the scene with his back open, you know? So when you say seven seconds, is that when does that timer start? Does it start once they once the actor reaches you? Uh, yeah. For that one, it was once the actors reached okay. us. So it was like my particular actor had seven seconds. The one ahead of them had, you know, nine and the one behind him had five. So it was kind of like all that timed out. And it was. <laughs> but it sounds like you, you're you really excited about these kind of high pressure things oh, backstage. Them. That's that's what we live for. It's so funny. Yeah. Dressers like that's. I, I would say to do a quick change is like the most exciting part. It's also the most, I think, technical part, I feel like, because it's 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 like. It feels laid out. Yeah. And it's choreographed, literally, quite yes. literally. Is there, how do you get to that moment of like figuring out, okay, so you're going to take off this glove or you're like, how do you find that rhythm or 
that pattern? Um, uh, sometimes you have the luxury of being in tech and kind of giving, you know, they usually are like, okay, we're going to run this. And you have maybe three minutes to talk to your actor and be like, this is what needs to happen. This is how we're going to maybe try and make this happen. Um, and you kind of just like get to do it over and over again uh, and kind of fit feel what works it's for each actor it's different there's a very like some actors have very specific ways they need to take clothing off and put clothing on and it's like they have to do their left foot first then their right or their right and their left or they have to button this first before they can do their pants and it's that all depends and um it's kind of like sitting there and figuring out what the costume is uh and sometimes you don't in tech we don't get a chance to look that far or to make them ready for that because when we get them from a shop um they're made correctly they're made the way garments would be made which not necessarily means that they can be thrown on and off in a matter of a minute with flexibility and all that yeah 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 so you kind of get to sit there with your actor and figure out how it's going to work and tell them it's really a, a time where you can't where we get to take control most of the time the actors are dictating what's happening you know and directors are telling us this is the storyline this is what's happening but once they kind of step backstage and need to change that's where we get to come in and we will say okay so you're going to take off this glove and then this glove and start undoing your shirt while i'm going to unbutton your pants unlace your shoes take your shoes off and then we'll finish getting you out of that it's kind of like you have to sit there and figure out what the best way to do it. And the hardest part is when costumes aren't quick rigged. Um, a lot of the times we can get away with like fake buttons. So it snaps so they can literally walk off stage, rip their shirt open and they're good to change. Um, but sometimes I've done shows like in shuffle along, uh, Brandon Victor Dixon had a lot of costumes that he would unbutton or undo his tie on stage so none of that could be quick rig so when we did quick changes it was very much you have you have four minutes but to get from one tux to a full suit with shoes and a makeup change in four minutes is quite quite a difficult task so i do want to talk about your experience on film because when you first started the episode you said you're working on a tv show correct right so what was that that process like did i'm assuming did you start with stage and then move on to film or was it yes so can you explain that that process yeah um i started doing i did broadway for three years i want to say um and then I was asked to do Jesus Christ Superstar Live, which is one show that I think I left off my list. I'm so sorry. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Um, So I was lucky enough to do that, which was a weird combination because it's a live musical for TV. So you're kind of doing the best of both worlds, uh, which was very exciting. So I did that. And then I went back to Broadway. And then um, last year, a good friend of mine who I'd worked on Broadway with a couple of a couple of different shows she called me up and she was like hey i'm the lead tailor on fossey verdon do you want to come over and do that and i was like i had just like kind of settled into my groove at head over heels and i was like do i want to leave do i want to leave and all of the boys that i dressed were like yeah go like go do that that's so cool so i was like okay great and i kind of left to do that um and it's kind of they're the same worlds but different you know you're you're it's all on like who you know and 
what what are the differences in the process and uh, even something as simple as timing for things is the production time different like pre-production yeah yeah i mean and like yes. are you are you working on pieces of clothing while they're shooting things and yeah yeah making adjustments on the fly they're different only in the major fact that in film and television you're constantly in tech like it's the script is ever changing what they need is ever changing and who's in what scene what they're wearing what they're doing stuff like that is kind of ever changing um so we're always kind of like doing things last minute you know it's like uh even today it was like we had something that was altered last week that saw this the uh camera for the first time today and they came up and they're like this is wrong it's not gonna work we're gonna hold for a couple of minutes fix it and then we're gonna go right back into this and it's kind of like okay so you have to like stop what you're doing figure out like how this is going to work and what you're gonna do and i would say the biggest difference other than like always being in tech is that you don't get to see your actors as often for broadway we have fittings and you spend an hour fitting you know one costume and you can do all of this and then once it's done that's it like your actors dressed they're doing the same thing over and over yes (laughs) whereas this is like okay this is the cast you may get to see them for 45 minutes one day a week but you need to film, you know, depending on how many scenes are in each episode, it's like you need to fit all of those costumes, which never happens. So a lot of it's kind of like guessing and like learning their body, which sounds bizarre. What show did you say you're working on right now? It's called Katie Keene. It's a Riverdale spinoff. Okay. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's Lucy Hale. And so do you know what your hours are ahead of time? Like for a show, if you're working on a show, you know that we yeah. have performances eight shows a week at these times. Yeah. Is it? Is that the case where you get something in advance? For, yeah, uh, most of it. The nice part about film and television is you don't work Saturdays and Sundays. So, like, yay, two-day weekends. Um, And when you're in the shop for costumes, you are normally there, like, normal work hours. It's kind of like it's 10 hours a day, sometimes 12 hours a day. And that's just, like, what you're doing every day from 8 to 6.30 or whatever. Um, and for how how many weeks, though? Uh, it varies. Because um, 10 to 12 hours a day is just... That's exhausting. Yeah. And you I said mean, it yeah. so, like, flippantly. You were just like... Yeah, that's, you just kind of get used to it. That's, like, your life. It becomes your life. I mean, it's like when you're in tech for a show. You're yeah. there for 12 hours, right? Yeah. But for for something that you're like constantly in tech for that kind of energy can get so grating. I'm yeah. Sure. It gets exhausting, which kind of like makes a really good, like when we're setting up a show or just getting started, it's really important that everyone kind of gets along and like, it's a really good environment. And that kind of comes from the top down, you know, just like a, a show. Um, and it's usually for a movie, it's shorter and for TV, it's it's longer. Uh, you know, big big shows like Law and Order will work nine months of the year. They're filming for that long, and there's always people doing that. Uh, whereas we are like Katie Keen is. We started a month and a half ago, and we'll go till January. So you're really signing up for a full season. Yeah. When you do it. Yeah. Essentially, I mean, you, you are, we're not obligated to stay. We're not contracted. So we're allowed to come and go as we please. However, that's like, I wouldn't, you know, I don't suggest like just wandering around from show to show. 
but we can. So is the shop for um for a TV? For, so for your the TV show you're working on right now, is that on set? We are on a, a soundstage. Yeah. So we have so there's different sound stages throughout New York, and there's uh they will have sets there. Yeah. Um, but there is also like on location. So we'll have an on location tailor who will go to set at whatever time they're going to be there to alter stuff because uh, a lot of the times we'll have actors who live in LA who aren't flying in till the day they film, filming, leaving. So it's like they get there, you know, three in the morning, you go in, you fit them in the clothes, do any alterations, they're on camera by nine, film, and go away, you know. For something like Fosse Verdon, you were working with a time period. Yes. And how exciting is that to you? Your uh, eyes just lit up. Time periods are my favorite. I love period pieces. Um, it's exciting. Fosse was super exciting because we actually got to go from 1930s up to 1980s, which is a huge, huge undertaking. That's a lot of costumes and a lot of different uh, components. And then on top of that, we're also doing like very specific looks. Iconic looks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which w- was so exciting. And the designers were wonderful to work with. Yeah. How? What's that relationship like? How much do you work with a designer? And does that differ between stage and film? F- I would say for film and television, yeah, we work with the designers uh, eye to eye more. For, for Broadway and uh, theater the supervisors doing that and they're kind of dealing with that and the shops are dealing with that because they're the ones who are making everything and then once it goes to the dresser it's kind of essentially a different team whereas for film and television you're seeing them constantly and they're constantly telling you what things need to look like and what fabrics work and how we're going to do this and if things are possible that's like the big thing that really you're spending a lot of time sitting down with a designer being like, this is the sketch. It works Tuesday. It's currently Wednesday. We need to shop fabric, get all the supplies that we're going to need to be able to build it, fit it and have it ready to go by Tuesday. Is that possible? And you kind of have to sit there and be like, it's possible, but is it like something that we want to do? Is it going to cost a lot of money? Where does that all kind of sit and lie? So I think in tailoring world for film and television you're kind of doing more a lot of logistics with your designer because you're ever changing and kind of being able to bounce ideas off of them and being like this costume is great it's not going to work for this episode because we don't have the time to build it maybe we look at doing the simplified version of this or how can we make this look uh the same with doing it simpler or does it need to be functional? What is all of those? Because that all makes a huge difference of how how long it's going to take us to make something. I mean, it's a compromise at the end of the day. Yeah. It's a collaboration, which yeah. is still theater and still an art form. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah you know, and it's it's always a huge compromise. The details are something really interesting with film and TV that necessarily in theater you don't have to worry about getting up close and personal with that costume. Yeah. The audience isn't going to get that. They don't get to see that. Yeah, they don't get to see that detail. So um, how does that shift in the eyes of somebody that looks at things from that perspective as a designer or as somebody that has to make sure that it looks the way it should to the audience? Because the camera is the audience on film and TV. Yeah, for sure. That was one of the hardest things for me to adjust, actually, in film and television uh, on Broadway. Last looks, last looks. Yeah, yeah, you know, like all, all of that type of stuff. And you're really looking at, you want to make sure, especially for Fosse, we were doing so many iconic 
remakes of costumes. So it's it was really important for us to be able to look at these images and find pictures and research and be like, what does that actually look like? Or what is what does the front look like? What does the back look like? That was the other thing for a lot of those shows, you're only getting pictures of the front of them or you're getting publicity photos. And it's like, when we're filming the scene, they will be filming it from behind. What does that look like? And there's always someone out there. I promise you, there's always someone out there who has those pictures and takes the shots from the TV show and puts them side by side and loves to point out, this is wrong. And you're kind of like... Okay, it drives you crazy because you spend a lot of time trying to figure out what that all looks like and how that works and exactly what earrings was she wearing. You know, it's uh, when we were doing Sweet Charity, all of the girls in the Broadway production had earrings and jewelry that you don't, you can't see. And from an audience on stage, they don't see them. But we're filming up close, high definition we need to see them and figure out what they're wearing and how we're going to replicate that exact look, especially for Fosse because we're, you know, it's not our designs. We're recreating other people's stuff. On that plane of looking at like the history behind Mm -hmm. what was actually happening for like for Fosse Burden, is there like a dramaturg? I'm trying to think of, is there someone that's like designated to, to, to pull up the research and to, or is it really like up to the designer? Or you it's guys? up to the designer. Uh, you know, it's up to the designer, and it's up to for that show specifically. For most shows, actually, it's up to the designer, and actually, the tailor is more involved in that than a lot of people think because uh, we're trying to figure out. We need to figure out how it's made, how they got it on, where's the zipper. You know, how like that is something that people never think about. And that's something that we don't want people to think about. We don't want you to see that there's a zipper. You want to be able to like create the illusion of like they're in something. But in 1940s, spandex like wasn't a big thing. And like you couldn't just put your leggings on and your stretch jeans. And like that wasn't a thing. So it was like, how did you get into these fitted things without making them noticeable you know I, I don't know it was just it's a whole different design part of it which is kind of fascinating to me do you have a favorite decade that you like to oh god it changes it <laughs> always changes it kind of uh it depends I love I love like the 30s through probably the early 60s are my favorite I think the 60s are fascinating things that are very wild and weird and hats and dresses and all crazy that's probably but i would say like it's always changing within those decades yeah why the 30s i think it's fascinating to kind of see uh, like how it's a really good era to see how what's going on in the world affects what we're wearing which really a lot of people don't like think about because nowadays it, it doesn't quite affect it as much but then it was you know recession what goes away you know what trims don't we see on dresses anymore stuff like that and how how can you tell someone who's wealthy from someone who's poor um in the architecture it's the same with like panniers uh french doors are actually were invented because of panniers so like the big wide hips that marie antoinette used to wear that's needed she was like i have to be able to get through a room and someone was like okay if double doors that open so you can walk through this room so it's like they're uh, they rely so heavily on each other which is i think is so cool because you don't really think about it i'm interested to know if there's anything that you like to do for research when you're working on something and if maybe 
do you get to travel at all and does that influence anything no what does oh and also does what yeah sorry this is like things that are just coming to me but does uh does watching other movies or films that are being done in that specific time period influence at all what you're doing if it's the same time period you're working on because you know not not always does everybody have the same detail and um yes and no and accuracy yeah i i would say you know you're watching other other shows that are kind of in the same period it's both hindering and helpful you kind of get to see some things that you might have missed that are really popular in that time period but also you're seeing someone else's very specific designs you know if you're watching something from sandy powell it's very very specific she did like uh mary poppins and the favorite and they're all they're very you can tell like when you're watching a sandy powell movie you're like that's sandy powell whether you know it's her or not you can tell uh so that kind of is is interesting in a way to kind of see that so i would say it is helpful um but you also have to be careful of like where where you're pulling that full inspiration from when you're watching that uh because when we're making something it's not always going to be accurate and that also could have to do with budget how much time we have and it's the same thing when you're watching this movie that may not be period accurate, but it's all they have the money and the time and the people to do, you know, and so that's kind of what ends up on screen and you kind of make it the best that it can be. Um, and so many people don't, the commoners, you know, people who are, <laughs> people who are not, the civilians. Like, yes, you know, who are not like in a specific world, like, especially like, like even for architecture, like I don't know as much, but like people don't know what costumes look like. People don't really know if you ask someone on the street, like what does a 1930s outfit look like? They'd be like, you could fool me. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's just something that like you kind of get to the discretion of picking and choosing like what's important and what are the crucial features. If you go through decades, you can tell like what was popular in the nineties, neon colors were popular in the eighties, you know, bell bottoms in the seventies. So it's like, there's very specific things. And I think for a costume designer, it's important to hit those specific things, but also not like be a slave to them. Yes. Yeah. We don't want to propel a world where it's like people only wear bell bottoms, you know, and it's like, that's not real. Like that's not what people wore. People wore a vast array of things. So with all of this under your belt, do you have any aspirations to design again since being in the professional world? Yes and no. It changes daily. You know, there's like, <laughs> some days you're like, yeah, this is super cool. I want to like design something. And then other days I sit there and think about it. It's like, how do you even begin? Um, when you're, st- I used to think that like for Broadway shows, when you're starting a brand new show that has never been done before, it's not based off of a movie. It's completely original. It's like, where do you start? And then how do you sit down and say how much money we're going to spend? And like all of that, it's like, I can't, I don't go out and buy a $30 shirt for myself, but like I'll go out, you know, you, a designer will go out and quickly buy a $750 tie for this show because it needs to look like that. Um, so I do I think it's fascinating that whole world and that's what kind of why I like tailoring so much because you get 
a mix of both of those. It's not there. You don't have the pressure on you of like, you're the designer, but you get to like have the say of like, okay, well, I think this would work. What about this kind of look? What about this? You know, what if we change the waistline to this waistline? Because that's going to look better on one or actor or two. You know, that's something you kind of get a say in. So I was going to ask you, do you have a favorite designer who you either would love to work with or that you've always looked up to? I don't think I have like a a favorite designer overall, like in general. I think like in high school, I used to have like a favorite designer. Yeah, I don't think there's a, a favorite. I love working with all the designers I've worked with so far. I think that's kind of like the fun part about working with designers is you kind of... It's hard because... If, when you're watching something from either a show or something on TV, you're seeing their final product, but you're not seeing like how they got there. And that is such an important process for me. So I don't like to like idolize any designer because I don't know how they work and we may not be compatible. And I don't want to like ruin that, that dream of like, I love such and such a designer and now I work with them and they're awful. I hate how we get along. We, you know, can't do anything. And like, I don't kind of ever want to feel that. So I kind of like to take each, each uh, project with like a fresh start and you kind of get to know uh, what designers you are attracted to on what their designs are and how you're going to work together. Um, There are so many designers who do period pieces and that's all they do. And it's like those are the designers I don't want to work. I want to work for because I'm passionate about period stuff. The designers for NCIS Law and Order, as wonderful as they are, I have no desire to do that kind of you know stuff. So it's you kind of get to choose like who you want to keep like in your circle, which kind of is also kind of dictated by your skill set, I guess. So I was going to ask you about any feedback or any advice that you might have to anyone that's currently in school or starting out in their career working in the wardrobe department, whether it's on film or whether it's on stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, You don't know everything, you know, and you never will. That's kind of like I remember in college, I very much thought like, well, that's not they would never do this professionally and it's like no we do we we definitely do we will take duct tape ball it up and put it inside of a costume to make x y and z uh you know it's kind of like the world is <laughs> is so creative and you're on such a limited time so really have fun with it you know it's it's at the end of the day you are like changing lives and people see things that change their you know the entire life but it's like we're not doing anything crazy here we're making we're making art so like have fun with it because that's easy to go away that's so funny madison she was our casting director that we had on and she said the exact same kind of sentiment where it's like you know don't take it seriously have fun but like take it seriously yeah we're not doing it i don't remember the exact it was like respect your art form but don't like die by it (laughs) yeah you know it's it's it is it is super important to like enjoy it and celebrate it but be also be able to take that step back and be like wow that's really cool because it is such a fast moving industry we lose sight of that so quickly i mean there's been days where i'm at work and i'm like uh this is miserable i don't want to do it i don't want to be here and then you kind of have to like take the step back and you're like no like i'm on a broadway show this is cool you know like 
I'm at Waitress, a Broadway hit musical. And like, that's amazing. And, and that's really cool. So it's really important to like do that, but still know that like you're doing something really great and uh, have respect for that and know your own worth. It's a good that's, one. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's really important because it's so many people quickly try to take not that they're trying to take advantage of you, but things need to be done. And it's like they will push and push and push because if you're going to continue to say yes and yes and yes, you're going to burn yourself out. It's really important. My friends always make fun of me because I, I have the hardest time saying no to things. We actually will sit at work and they're like, OK, we're going to practice saying no. <laughs> and they will ask me things. I'll be like, no, no. No. And she goes, okay, so in the real world, when you step outside here and someone asks you to do something, it's okay to say no because you're not going to have the time and you can't put your everything that you want to into a certain project. It's really important for you to know, like, that's not worth my time because I have a skill set, you know, and that's fair. What are some of the tips or tricks that you've learned working in film and TV that you could bring back to stage or or stage to film? Um, Is there anything that's different that can maybe assist you when you switch mediums? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think it is funny. I feel like I use a lot more uh, tricks from Broadway in film than I do anything film back. Film's very real. Um, you know, we when we do things it's very excuse me uh when we're making clothes they have time they have the time to perfect it and there's someone standing there being like okay let me comb the faux fur vest you're wearing so it looks really beautiful let me make sure everything is placed exactly how it should be whereas on you know stage no one's out there following you around being like okay let me fix that hair let me fix your costume let me fix your shoes so you kind of get that like tip and trick of like uh, being able to make things sustain in that setting because certain shows will do a singular camera. Uh, Maisel does it a lot, actually. They'll have one camera that does the whole scene. And so you need to make sure that when people are moving around, it stays the same because we can't cut. You know, it's it'll be a five minute scene that all is one camera. And you need to make sure that when Midge walks on screen, she looks perfect from start to finish. You know, she can't like be jumbled halfway through because that's a waste of not, a, it's a waste essentially, but not a waste. Um, so I feel like you get to these like little tricks of like how, um, I'm trying to think of like a really good one. Uh, oh, I, so like for, um, I'm nervous to talk about Katie Keene because I, I don't know when are you guys going to air this? December. <laughs> End of November, December, yeah. Okay. I'll just talk about like yeah. an example from Katie. I'm not going to specific. <laughs> uh, so like th- we're doing this uh, um, currently we're doing this a-, a moment on screen where she is making a dress. So she's supposed to be sewing it. So we've made seven of these dresses miserable <laughs> to make the same thing seven times one um, but two we it's supposed to look like she's ripping it apart so like they were the director came and props came and the costume designer was like how do we do that without actually ripping seven dresses because we can't afford to do that so it's like 
me and actually the two other tailors on the show all have a Broadway background. So we were like, oh, we know the perfect thing, magnet tape. So there's magnets on the side that on screen you're never going to be able to see. But when she's ripping it, it looks like she's ripping it. And then we are like, you can just click it back together and it's good to go. Um, so that's one like a really fun tip, like little trick that the designer was like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. And we're like, yeah, it's a magical thing. Like we love magnet tape on Broadway because everything is quick. So um, I think that's kind of like one of my favorite ones that we've used. And we did the same thing for Fosse Verdon. Like Michelle Williams was supposed to like take things out of her jacket, but she opens her jacket in the choreography. So it was supposed to look like it was fully black on the inside. And then next time she had like colors coming out of it. So we were like, how do we hide that? And it was like little magnets inside that covered everything up. And then she could remove them in the same take, which was, I mean, I I wish I had gotten to see them film it, but (laughs) it was cool when I watched it on TV. Is there a project that you've worked on, stage or film, that we haven't discussed that is one of your favorites or that there's something memorable from there? Mm. Um, Jesus Christ Superstar, actually. I'm so glad you said that. Probably my favorite, favorite experience. It's It was such a fun thing. I, you know, it was like a blur. It was this huge blur. It was so fun, though, um, because it combined two of my favorite, like, little work aspects. We got to do a musical that I, one, had never seen, which was really like you're cool. doing a lot of musicals on film. Yeah, yeah. You also I mean, did we in do the musical, Heights. Yes, I also yeah. did in The Heights. Yeah, yeah. I, the, luckily, we're in, like, a... Uh, a rebirth of like musical golden, uh, yeah which I'm very excited about because like <laughs> musicals and movies what's better <laughs> um yeah Jesus Christ Superstar it was a bizarre experience yeah. it was weird was that a fast or a quick experience it felt like it fast. happened overnight honestly so fast yeah yeah I mean we were um making costumes up until literally it started uh, which was crazy you know it's like you're running around and like trying to like stone tights and stone shoes and like take in things and like this headdress looked terrible on screen and that was like a huge thing is they only started I want to say they started rehearsals uh, in a decent amount of time but by the time we were designing and building the show it's, it was really quick. We only had maybe six weeks, which is really fast to do something that large and that with so many details on stage and that big of a cast. Six weeks to build a musical with a 10-person cast, you know, is fairly easy. Not easy, but like easier. <laughs> it's doable. It's stressful, but it's doable. But like this was a cast of like 60 ensemble plus all the principal characters is that many people it was huge it was massive yeah and yeah it was in this giant warehouse which was like yeah massive and they needed to fill that space which was really were there i mean besides the obvious differences between peter pan live and jesus christ superstar live on your end what was like the biggest challenge between the two as far as like what you had to learn on the spot Um, for me, it was learning, like, one, I didn't know the show. Like, I knew the music from Jesus Christ Superstar, but no idea. And I want to say, like, the biggest thing that I had to learn was, like, you have to do the work yourself also. Because I, it was the day before we were doing the live production, and I went up to a stage manager. We had never run the show in order. 
we had a live audience that night because they wanted to like test out the volumes and whatever. And I went up to one of the stage managers and I said, when does this scene happen? And they turned to me and like, you're expecting like stage manager, like this is what happens. This is the breakdown. And they said, I have no idea. And I was like, oh, it's going to be that kind of night. It's going to be that kind of night where no one knows what's happening next. And it was so stressful because you're like, I have a costume change. Where does that happen? Because one, we're on this massive soundstage and you're like, I don't really know when the scene happens and what order it's happening in. So I can't even tell when they're coming off. And there was like this constant fear of like... That is so wild to me because I would think that with these live musicals, they're they, since they have so much pressure and like money on the line that they would rehearse the shit out of these things we did they rehearsed the shit out of it but in not not in order order. okay (laughs) you know even the uh, when the actors you know i would just think you'd you'd do it in order like a run because it is still like yeah you're televising it but it's you're doing a musical which i think is something that we're like relearning you know like to to put a musical on stage is uh, it's a completely different thing and it's like at that point in time you're trying to figure out where is the camera what angles are there you know who can we see who can we not see what's the sight lines where is this all happening and then to add the audience back in because i know with yeah. nbc there wasn't an audience yes so you didn't you didn't have to worry about like having to f- to face front or you know yes. to face the audience yeah that made a that. huge difference for this um and because it was set up like a stage, you know, we didn't have different sound stages for each set. It was when there was a commercial, they were changing the set and getting into new costumes. Um, so you spent a lot of time like trying to figure out the breakdown. And even though the show is, you know, pretty set in its ways, it's like we were still making minor adjustments of where things happened and the timing and how long they were happening for it, who was actually in this scene. You know, the day before, or even the morning of, they were cutting people from scenes and be like, you're no longer in this. But it was like, at that point, there's no time to rehearse it. You just have to know when you're going into the live production, like, okay, this used to happen. This no longer happens. You're not in this. This costume is cut because we just never. It's like you're learning the job of so many other people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was very much like, okay, how does this work? And for that show in particular, we were dealing with um, a lot, a lot with like the sound people. And it's like, where does their mic go? When can they get their mic on? Because when you're miking that many people and you have to abide by equity rules and all their union rules, so it's like they have to have their these mics on in a certain amount of time. And it's like, uh, we have this huge panic because uh one of the actors was like right before he went on he was like my earpiece isn't working i can't hear the orchestra which in that setting is completely sounds completely different than what it actually needs to be and it was like you're on a sound stage in the pitch black you have maybe two minutes to find someone from sound who also you just started working this show two weeks ago but have never talked to you know you've talked to the sound people maybe three times and you're like Sound? Sound. Anyone? Sound? Sound? Anyone? Anyone have an idea of where a sound person is? And you're, like, running around trying to figure out that and, like, 
keep your act but like while doing that you're like it's okay it's gonna be fine like it's totally cool you wait here drink some water i'm gonna find a sound person and then you this are is not. where your hospitality part of it really comes in yeah it's very much like you keep cool like it's totally okay you know we're not gonna let this happen and you like have to be able to like split second decide like do i lie to them and tell them it's all going to be okay <laughs> And make sure this is actually okay. Or just this, like, real time, like, real talk of, like, okay, this is messed up. You're going to have to do it anyways. Like, this is what we're going to do. I'll be here. I'll make sure that they know. So immediately when you come off, we can have someone deal with that because you're going right back on. Um, Which that was also, like, a scary thing because you were learning. I was learning their parts. I had to learn, you know, everyone I dressed, like, when are you on stage? Because they would turn to me and be like, what's next what am i what do i wear and i'd be like okay well I, we did this scene which in the order of the jesus christ storyline no, no, like plot like or like, like in- the bible yeah and you're like okay that's why you were like pulling out the you're like okay in the bible like so we had supper now we're going to what are we doing and now they're gonna blame him and then we're going to and it was like never had i like ever been so challenged before at least you had some source material. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I was lucky on this one. I was, I did get lucky oh on this God, one. Oh my God, that's so wild to me. <laughs> it's a bizarre, it's a very weird experience that I will never forget. I can't believe I forgot to put it on my like list. We always ask our guests as a final question, what was the last great piece of theater that you saw? Ooh, I'm going to be totally biased. And I'm going to say Head Over Heels. I was lucky enough to be able to watch the closing night performance because I had left the show. And damn, that show is one so good. The cast is phenomenal. And what a what a way to like represent the underdogs, you know? It was like having a trans person on stage, having the curvy girl as the the leading lady, you know, it's like that type of stuff and like having, having this like gender fluid ensemble was so cool to get to watch um i want to say that was like the most like hard-hitting show musical that i've seen in a while where can our listeners find you online (gasps) um mainly instagram it's so ryan (laughs) so ryan yes i-t-s-s-e-w-r-y-a-n get it good very good pun (laughs) thank you wow thank you craig had a pun too incredible hair i think it was oh i know (laughs) (laughs) i know it very well amazing well thank you so much i i mean i can't speak for brian but i definitely learned so much i did too good you can speak for me okay yes (laughs) i'm so glad yes all right well we will see you later awesome bye guys Bye. thanks everyone for listening to this episode of page to stage to keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Page to Stage Podcast. And if you're enjoying these conversations, we would really appreciate it if you could take a couple minutes to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Until next time. That's Brian. That's Mary. We'll see you later. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.